This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Last few chapters, Alter Rebbe discussed different levels, different levels of love to Hashem. How one could develop love for Hashem. Whether it's you love Hashem because uh, you realize Hashem is your life, the life of your soul, the soul of your soul. Or you love Hashem because Hashem is my father, like a child loves a parent. Or you love Hashem because Hashem loves us. We can't help but reciprocate that love. All the different levels of love. Or you love Hashem because you have Rachmanas, you have mercy and compassion in your soul. And all of that leads to a love, to develop a love for Hashem. Now, he's going to describe a different type of love. All the previous loves fall into one category. They're different, but yet they're all in the same category, all in the same family. Now he's going to describe a new type of love, completely different type of love, different energy, different quality. And he's going to compare the two loves to like gold and silver. One love, one category of love, all the loves that we've learned till now, fall in the category of what he, he compares it to water, a love that's compared to water. Like water brings, glues things together. Water connects. Water is calm. Water is gentle. Water is cold, cool. And now he's going to introduce a different type of love which is a love as compared to fire, a fiery love, a flame, a flaming love, a devotion, a dedication, an intensity, an intense love that's qualitatively different than the love as compared to water, which is cool and calm and gentle and refreshing like the love between siblings. It's very calm. Decades can go by. There's no, you know, there's no reason for that love to be tumultuous and, and uh, intense. It's just natural. You feel at home. You feel comfortable. Even siblings who haven't seen each other for years, they get together, you feel it's a natural bond. Because you, you, you are one with your siblings. You're the same flesh and blood, and so it's just completely natural. Versus the love between husband and wife, that's fiery, that's intense, 
that's passionate, there's excitement, there's thrill, there's a feeling of being inseparable, a feeling of, there's a tremendous intensity, fiery devotion. And that love is going to compare to gold in comparison to silver. All the other loves are like in the category and the family of silver. But then you have a love which is qualitatively different. Just like gold is different than silver. It's not only that gold is more expensive than silver. Every day. <laughs> Every day, especially today. Silver is also going up, but gold is... Right? Everyone is focused... What? 1300 Right. Everyone is focusing on gold today. Gold is, is in. <laughs> Maybe we'll understand why gold is in today, because the world is ready for this great love, the love of gold. Silver is going out of style, gold is going back into style. So, this is the love of gold, because a gold is qualitatively different. Gold is it's not just it's worth more, more precious, it's rarer. Because gold is I'm talking about the top quality gold, real gold. It's just you just love just looking at it. It's something. It's, it sparkles. It, it's something precious about it. It's just something very sparkling, very uh, unusual about a beautiful piece of gold. So this is a love, which is completely different. A different energy. A different quality. A different dynamic. A different. It's fire. Fiery love. Fiery love to Hashem. And the difference between the two, essentially, is it's not only it's a different type of love. We, we learned earlier many different types of love. But yet all those loves that we learned earlier fall into one family, into one category. Versus this love, which is a category on its own. What's unique about this type of love? Is that all the other loves, you love Hashem, but love is really an extension of yourself. You know, when you love something, there's two things you want to do. One or two things. Either you love something and therefore you want to bring it to you. <laughs> I love this. I want to make it part of me. I want to bring it closer to me. Or you love something, you yearn for something, and you run. You run towards it. That's the difference between these, these two types of loves. Love of water is you draw it. You draw. You draw it towards you. You love something and therefore you draw it towards yourself. The love of fire is that you love, you have such a fiery love that you want to run away from where you are, you want to run towards. So one is a love, love is ultimate self-expression. You love something, then you expand that self. You take in, I love and I also want. And that becomes part of you. But you're not running away from yourself, you're not running you're not forgetting about yourself. On the contrary, you're, it's expanding your mind. It's expanding your soul. It's opening up your heart and opening up your mind and opening up your soul. Versus fire burns. Fire completely annihilates. Fire completely... It's, it's about forgetting about yourself. You have such a fiery devotion, such a fiery yearning, such a fiery love that you want to run away from yourself and you want to run... To, to your beloved. And you want to lose yourself in your beloved. 
It's not about me. It's, it's a love which is completely, you lose yourself in your love. You know, earlier we learned the distinction between love and awe. Love is self-expression. While respect and fear and awe is about self-forgetfulness. It's not about me, it's about the other person. This love that, we, that he's going to describe in chapter 50, what a special number, 50, and soon we'll understand why it's 50. This love is a type of love which also makes you forget about yourself. It's not about me. You have such a fiery devotion to, the, to your beloved that you just want to get lost in them. You want to completely jump out of yourself and forget about yourself and become completely one with them. This is a love that takes you out of your ego. It doesn't just expand your mind, expand yourself, expand your heart. This completely takes you out of yourself and forget about yourself, makes you, cause you to forget about yourself and to really become absorbed into the object of your love, your beloved. So this is like gold in comparison to silver. It sparkles. It's a, it's a different quality. It's a different, and therefore it's so precious. It's much more precious than silver. It's much more delightful. It's much more something very special about sparkling gold. Real gold. You know, top quality gold. It just, it's just, just looking at it. It just, it, just, it just sparkles. There's something very special about it. Refined gold. Refined gold. Because it's 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 not from this world. It's it's something. It's something so unusual. Even within love, silver is also a precious commodity. It's a metal. It's a precious commodity. But silver is part of this world. You love and. But the ability to get beyond your ego, the ability to completely forget about yourself, and to have such an intense, fiery devotion. This is like something that's not from this world. This is something unusual. This is something unique. This is, this is a different level, a different qualitatively different level of love. It's a whole different story. And the way we reach it is, it's going to explain, is through, we know that the ten spherot, which are the basic building blocks of reality, are divided into three different categories. The human being, we're creating the image of God, so we also have it within us. The ten spherot. You have wisdom on the right side. You have chesed, love, on the right side. And you have netzach, going forward. The right foot on the right side. Then you have the left. You have bina, understanding. You have Givura, which is awe, fear, the opposite of chesed, of love, intensity. And then you have the left leg. This is the left side. You have the right brain, the creative mind, wisdom. You have the left brain, the analytical mind, the logical mind. And then you have love, you have restraint and intensity. And then you have going forward, and you have holding back. So this love that we're describing here, 
all the other loves that we learned up until this chapter 50 come from the right side. They come from the right brain. It's a love. It's an obvious love. And that's primarily right-centered. The love that he's describing here is left-centered. It comes from the left side, which is gevura, fire, intensity, concentration, focus, the left brain. And the effect of, of this love, it, it disturbs you, it stirs you up, it, it completely, it, it, it's a fire, lights a fire on me. You know, it causes you to jump out of your skin, to be restless, to, to, versus the other love is very calming and soothing and gentle. And this love is the exact opposite. It's fiery. It's, 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 it causes you to just want to run away from where you are, run away from yourself, and to go beyond yourself, and completely forget about yourself, and to completely become absorbed in, in, your, in the source. This is the result of the left side, starting with the mind, the left mind, which is known as Hamishim Shari Bina, the 50, the 50 gates of Bina. Bina is the left side, the analytical mind. And the 50th gate, this is chapter 50. So this whole love comes from, this is like the 50th gate of Bina, the highest level. That type of understanding that leads a person to, this, to develop this fiery love. So it's not an accident. Then, then it's of course, there's no accident. It's one thing you learn in Tanya. There are no accidents, especially such an essential chapter like this. Obviously, there are no accidents. And um, now, although we learned, if you remember, we learned early in the Tanya in chapter three that every emotion has two parents, just like every child has two parents. You have a father and a mother. So to every emotion is two parents. The father is Chachma, the right brain, creative mind. And the mother is Bina, the analytical mind, which develops the concept. And ultimately, through Das, the connector gives birth to the emotion. So every emotion, even the emotions that we learned till now, also are children of Bina, also come from the left side. Every, every emotion has to come from the father and the mother. And yet here we're saying that this love is primarily on the left side. And the answer is very simple. Parents give birth to children. But some children are splitting images of their father, <laughs> even though they come from the mother. And some children are splitting images of their mother. So within Bina itself, you have the fire of Bina. You have the right side of Bina. Within Bina itself, within the left side, you have the right side of the lower right side. So you have offspring, like the loves that we learned till now which resemble more the father. They, more, they have the quality of the father. They have the characteristics of the father. They, they're not only splitting images physically, but also characteristically. They, they are duplicates of their they personality and character, exactly like the father. So it's a type of love which resembles more, even though it passes through the mother, but ultimately, it's really, you see a direct connection to the father. But then you have a love which... You see the direct connection to the mother, the splitting image of the mother, the same personality, the same character. So this type of love that we're discussing here is a splitting image of the mother. It comes primarily from Bina, the left side. And this develops this fiery, passionate, 
yearning and, 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 and desire and, and um, this love is superior, qualitatively superior than all the loves we learned till now. In the last few chapters. And this is a love that a person has to aspire to. But of course, in order to aspire to these loves, first you have to achieve all the previous loves. Once you already achieve all the previous loves, then you're ready to move on. You're ready for the next level. You're ready for gold. Once you already acquired, accumulated your silver, now you're ready to acquire your gold. So that's what he's going to explain in this chapter. And therefore, there's also a huge difference. Because when your love, your love causes you to expand your mind and expand yourself, then naturally that leads you to want to study Torah and do mitzvot. Once you develop a love for Hashem, and in your expansive self you realize that Hashem is your real life, and Hashem is your parent, and Hashem is your... You know, it's everything, and, and therefore you love Hashem. So how do you connect with Hashem? The only way to connect with Hashem is by doing something divine, by doing something godly, by filling your life with godly things. When you study Torah, you do something godly. When you do a mitzvah, you're doing something godly. You're connecting with the divine. So it's natural that the love leads you to Torah and mitzvah. But in this type of love, the love of gold that he's going to describe here, it's not so natural. It's not so apparent. Because the whole desire here, here is to forget about yourself, to lose yourself, to become absorbed within the source, to become absorbed within Hashem. So how does this love lead you to Torah mitzvot? It seems, uh, a con- it leads you to a contrary hope. Torah mitzvot means you live and you fill your life, fill your mind, fill your heart, fill your day, your thoughts, your speech, your action with Torah mitzvot. So you're literally leading a fulfilled life. A meaningful life, a fulfilled life. But here, this love of gold, you're not looking for meaning and meaningful life and meaningful. You're not looking for anything meaningful. You want to forget about yourself. You want to completely burn any sense of existence, any sense of I, any sense of separation. You want to burn down the walls that separate and divide you from Hashem. You want to completely bring down the walls of Jericho and bring down any separation, any divide. You want to become completely absorbed within Hashem. You have such a fiery love and passion and yearning. You want to completely forget about yourself. So how does this love lead to Torah and Mitzvot? It seems to be the exact opposite Torah and Mitzvot. You want to, you want to lose yourself. You want to and ultimately even die in ecstasy. You just want to forget about your existence and life and this coil and this world. You want to become one with Hashem. How does such a love lead you to Torah and Mitzvah? It seems on the, on, the, on the contrary, this love leads you away from Torah and Mitzvah. You don't want to fill your being with meaning and existence. You fill your existence with, with holiness, with godliness. You want to cease to exist. You want to become inseparable and one with God. So that's what he's going to explain at the end of the chapter, how even via this love, Ultimately, the ultimate goal and the ultimate purpose is Torah mitzvah. How, how one achieves it when he has this, when he achieves this intense, powerful, 
love. And it's going to explain that that when a person reaches that moment, when he's about to expire, when he's so dedicated and devotion, he experiences such a fiery, passionate love for Hashem, you just want to lose yourself and forget about yourself. At that moment, right before your soul expires in ecstasy, you stop and take a step back because you realize that what does Hashem want? It's not about me, right? It's about my, it's about my beloved. I'm completely forgetting about myself. It's not about my meaning and me leading a meaningful life. It's not about me. It's about Hashem. So you stop and ask yourself the question, what does Hashem really want? Does Hashem want me to expire? Does Hashem want me to become a, a, a soul, disembodied soul? Does Hashem need another angel? Hashem already has infinite angels. Hashem needs me back here and now in the real practical world. So when you're at the brink, you pull yourself back. Out of your love for Hashem, because you have the love for Hashem, you realize what does Hashem really want? This is not what Hashem wants of me. And out of your dedication for Hashem, you stop and ask them, what the, I'm going to do what Hashem wants of me. What Hashem wants of me is to come back, to re enter the land into reality, and to study Torah, and to do mitzvot, and to fill my life and my daily life. With godliness with holy. But when you do that after you have this fiery love, it's a different, it's a different dynamic. It's a whole different dynamic. The purpose of your Torah mitzvah is not about me, ego, an expanded ego, a refined ego, an elevated ego. It's about Hashem. It's not about me. I'm fulfilling, I'm only doing this for Hashem. It's, this is the, the divine will. And that's what he's going to explain in the second half of the chapter. So this is a, after this brief introduction, let's learn inside. Let's begin. Page 751. All the forms. All the forms and levels of love mentioned above derive from the right side, from the level of coin, for a coin is called a man of kindness, meaning that his form of serving Hashem comes under the category of Keset. The difference between the Kohen and the Levi. Kohen is a man of chesed. Kindness. Loving. The Kohen is a spiritual leader. Gentle. The Kohen blesses the Jewish people with love. The Kohen is the healer, the spiritual healer. When the leper comes to the Kohen with a lot of tender, loving care, the Kohen helps heal the leper, heal him from a spiritual malady. The Kohen is the one who elevates the Jew, brings him to the temple, offers his sacrifices for him, elevates, elevates him, elevates the Jew, elevates the sacrifice. The Kohen's mission is to draw down Hashem's love into this world and to ignite within the Jew a love for Hashem. Aram. Aram was the ultimate lover went around and made peace between people, making, bringing out the love and the goodness and the kindness. That was Aaron. And his whole approach was through love. Gently, kindly, compassionately, 
You know, Aaron made every Jew feel comfortable. He made every Jew feel like a million dollars. That was Aaron's mission. That's the Cohen's mission. Love. Light the candle. Light a flame. Evoke, arouse that love that a Jew has to Hashem. Versus the Levi. The Levi has a different mission. The Levi's mission is to wake you up. <laughs> wake you from your sleep. Disturb your peace, your sense of complacency. The Levi makes you feel uncomfortable. That's his job. His job in life is to make you feel uncomfortable. You're too comfortable with yourself. You're so proud of yourself. You're so complacent with yourself. You're so... Shake you up a little. A little uh, struggle. Wake you up. Push. Demand. Make you excel. Make you exceed yourself. Stretch. Go beyond your comfort zone. While the Kohen, his mission is for you to realize that God loves you. Hashem loves everyone. And to bask in Hashem's love and to appreciate that love and to sense that love and to respond to that love. Hashem loves us and we love Hashem in return. The Kohen makes, illuminates this world. It's a bright world. It's a kind world. Hashem is good. The sun shines every day. Hashem returns our souls every morning, whether we deserve it or not. Maybe many times we don't, but He brings us, gives us a fresh start every day with loving kindness. No matter what happened yesterday, the sun rises and shines. Hashem doesn't grow tired. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't... The world continues and He continues to give us life and He continues to give us existence. So when you realize that the world is a warm place, it's a friendly place, there's so much goodness and so much kindness and so much love in this world, that's, that's the mission of Aaron. That's the mission of the priest. To reveal all that love, to reveal all that goodness, to reveal the sunshine, to reveal how much how Hashem is illuminating us and is constantly smiling and shining and you know there's so much energy the sun has enough energy in four minutes more the sun beams and more energy than mankind uses all over the world in one year just in four minutes but we don't have the vessel to receive it that's the problem <laughs> the, 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 the energy is there the sun is shining it's the Cohen's mission to help us create the vessel to appreciate it, to absorb. Like that solar panel, absorb, absorb all that light and tra translate into electricity and to light up your life. It's warm, it's good, it's, all the energy is there, it's healthy, it's wholesome, it's, it's free, it's there. So this is the mission of the Cohen. Solar energy, this is his mission, to realize... Hashem's love and to awaken that love and to help us realize and to receive it and to absorb it and to appreciate it and internalize it. This is the job of the Kohen. So all the loves that we learned till now all fall into this family, into this category. This is the mission of the Kohen. To awaken the love within the Jewish people. Hashem loves us. And therefore we realize we love Hashem in return. Hashem is my parents. Of course I love Him like a child loves, loves his father. Hashem is our life. person loves life. So you realize, what do you love? You love life. So you want Hashem as your life. So you love Hashem. 
this all is, this all falls into the category of the Kohen, the right side. Ish chesed, person of goodness, of kindness, of love, of gentleness. Continue, they are called? They are called Kesef HaKodashim, longing for holy things. It says in the book, in Kings 2, chapter 12, verse 5, that all silver donated for sacred purposes should be brought to the house of Hashem and it should be entrusted to the Kohen. So Kesef, all the Kesef, and Kadashim should bring to the house of your father. So what is this, what is this telling us? What does Kesef represent? Kesef comes from the word, he says, a longing. The same root as the word to long, to yearn. A longing, a Jew longs and yearns for your father's home. Like it says, it says in, in Genesis, that you long for your father's home. A Jew is longing for Hashem. And interesting, Avicha, Av, also refers to the father, which refers to, in the human soul, that refers to the Chachma, the right side, the creative mind, the right brain. Because love is primarily connected, the right hand, the right side of the heart, the right hand is connected primarily to the right brain. Av, the father, which is wisdom, which is the creative brain. And Kaidish. Wisdom is also known as Kaidish, as holy. And that's what the verse says in Kings, in the book of Kings, that all the holy silver, that holy love, which, where does it come? Where does it belong? Give it to the Kohen. That's primarily the domain of the Kohen. That's the mission of the Kohen to evoke this love, to help us arouse this love. So love is associated with the Kohen, with love and kindness. All these forms and levels of love of Hashem thus express the desire and longing for a Jew to become joined with Hashem. The words, for your father's home, in the quoted verse refer to the level of Chachma, which is called Abba, literally father. This is also the connection with the term Kesem, for in the Zohar, Chachma is called Kodesh, holiness. As explained in the introduction to this chapter, all these forms of love come under the category of Chesed, which is an outgrowth of Chachman, wisdom, for they directly inspire one to observe Torah and the Mitzvah, which derive from divine wisdom. There is, however, another level of love which excels all these aforementioned levels, as gold is superior to silver. This superiority subsists not in, a de in degree or intensity, but rather in quality and character. This is not just a quantitative superiority in that gold, in the analogy, is worth more than silver, a small quantity of it fetching a higher price than a larger quantity of silver. The superiority of gold lies in the fact that the most refined type of gold possesses a captivating luster which glistens in the eyes of the beholder. All other types of gold are related to this type. Silver, on the other hand, does not possess this quality. The same distinction exists between the form of love described in this chapter, which has the characteristic of thirst and rapturous 
expiry into godliness and then the other forms of love which do not have this quality this is a love like glowing coals of fire a burning love unlike the aforementioned forms of love which are essentially like water for the soul is drawn with a yearning towards Hashem like water which is which flows and is attracted in a certain direction hence the wording of the prayer for rain said on Shemini Azeret remember our forefathers who was drawn to to you like water this love on the other hand has totally different has a totally different quality that of glowing coals of fire so the Rebbe asks that um, chapter 9 he says there that first a person achieves a level of love like fire which leads him to a higher level of love which is a level of love of pleasure which is compared to water so chapter 9 he states clearly that the level of love of water is greater than the level of love of fire and here he says clearly the exact opposite that the level of love of fire is superior, is qualitatively superior than the level of love of water how do you reconcile this country? can be both <laughs> how could it be? so so the Rebbe quotes, Tzemach Tzedek explains, and it's referred to in Psalm chapter 12, that there's one type of silver. In general, gold, the most refined gold, highest level of gold, is superior to silver. But there is one type of silver which is superior to gold. Silver which is refined seven times extra special refined silver. Special refined silver is even more rare, more precious than gold. And that's what he's referring to in chapter 9. He's talking about the complete tzaddik who reaches a level of ecstasy, a level of pleasure, a level of ecstasy, who's completely transformed his very being. And that's, that's what he calls a, love, a level of, um, a love of water. That level of silver, that level of silver of love is superior even to gold that he's describing here. But that's a very unique type of thing. Here, in the previous chapters, we're talking about regular silver. So regular silver, gold, is qualitatively superior. It's a whole different level, a whole different category. And that's the love. The love of a fiery, passionate yearning. You know, it's, it's rare. Because most loves are about self-expression. It's very rare to have a fiery love, a passionate love, where you completely lose yourself and you completely forget about yourself. And you just want to become absorbed with your beloved and it causes you, it stirs you up and completely causes a restlessness and a, and a fiery devotion. It, it's rare. Um, it's a very thrilling type of love. It's totally beyond, it's not ordinary. It's totally extraordinary. Now, you know, people can find the equivalent in their own personal lives, that type of love. When the person is madly in love, it's a, like a fiery love. It's, 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 it's a very unique experience 
Is that an infatuation? I'm not talking about infatuation. I'm talking about genuine love. I'm not talking about infatuation. Fiery love. Fiery love is not infatuation. Infatuation is infatuation. Infatuation is... Uh, that's what it means. Exactly. It's just that that's childish, adolescent illusions. It lasts for three and a half seconds. But, what? Sometimes four. Sometimes four seconds. Right. Um, but we're talking about the real love. It's not in America. I love ice cream. I love ice cream. That's not love. You don't love the ice cream. You love the ice cream. You wouldn't touch the ice cream. <laughs> you love yourself. You love what the ice cream does for you. That's not love. I love that person. I don't love that person. I couldn't care less about that person. I love what that person does for me. That's not love. That's infatuation. That, that, that's that's. The whole love as in America has been reduced to infantile, 12-year-old, adolescent fantasies. You know, it's a completely, has no bearing on reality. There's no real love, there's no real relationship, there's no real connection. It's completely skin deep, it's completely empty, meaningless, vacuous. I mean... So you, you can know. have a fiery love that's uh, real. Yeah, I'm talking about a fiery love that's real. The fiery love that inspired poets to write poetry and, and, and inspired the best musicians to write classical works that are still being played uh, hundreds of years later. Not the type of works that are instantly forgettable. Before, before you walk out of the, of the theater, you already forgot what the thing was all about because it's so empty and meaningless and so vacuous and so mindless and so skin deep. And you know, We're not talking about that foolish... 12-year-old adolescent... Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I would just argue that this fiery love is very rare. You bet it's rare. It's very rare. That's why it's like gold. That's why it's so precious. But once, if you experience anything like it, 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 there's nothing like it. It's a whole different... You can have many loves, real loves. All the loves he described till now is very real. That's the love of water. It's calm. It's, but a fiery love that, that, that just shakes you up and that, that causes you to go way beyond yourself and your nature and you know and people would do anything for that love and would you know really sacrifice and sacrifice themselves nations went to war over love <laughs> how many kings went to war over love and they spent all their treasures that their parents and ancestors accumulated over years just just for love this is a fiery love. This is a whole different... Uh, ready to make real sacrifices. We're not talking about infatuation. We're talking about real... Ready to die. Ready to sacrifice themselves. Ready to sacrifice their countries and their wealth and everything for, for it. You know, there is... And all... Here he's talking about a fiery love. In order to achieve a fiery love, first you have to achieve the loves that he described till now. You know, I don't know how much society today is really in tune with the very, these very soulful types of loves. I mean, we've really dumbed down and been reduced to 12-year-old adolescent fantasies. That's our concept of love and relationships. It's, it's almost pathetic. I mean, you know, if someone from a different generation visited for a day, I think he would, he would, he just, he would be astonished. He would be like, this is our grand concept of love. No strings attached. <laughs> no connections. No commitments. Nothing personal. Everything is cool and detached. 
don't take anything personal. I mean, there's, there's, there's no concept of love. And then, unfortunately, when, when, you, when you read, when you hear so-called spiritual gurus talk about love, it gives you, it gives you the, the goosebumps. It's, it's frightening. They have no clue what love means. I mean, after 9-11, I mean, I, it's, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. All these spiritual gurus were telling us we should bomb Afghanistan with flowers, and sit down with Al-Qaeda, and have a cup of tea, and love them, and shower them with love. I mean, do they know the meaning of love? If you really loved someone, if you loved your wife and child, and someone came into your house and threatened to rape your wife and child, you would sit down and have a cup of tea with them? Are you out of your mind? Do you know what the meaning of love is? If you don't hate that murderer barbarian who's about to take away the most loving thing in your life, you don't know the meaning of love. Because if you knew the meaning of love, you know the meaning of hate. You're supposed to hate evil. Only someone who has no clue what love is has no clue what hate is. Because it's two sides of the same coin. So when you hear all this talk, oh, so loving and I love, it has nothing to do with love. You don't even know what love looks like. You know, especially when you talk in the name of spirituality, of religion. So if you understand what love is, what real love and real attachment is, and real connection, and real devotion and dedication, and, and the type of love, real love, the more you feed it, it's like pouring kerosene on the, on the, on the fire. It just feeds it and nourishes it. And the more you feed it, the less satisfied you are, the more you want Real love just builds and grows. Real love. If it's love, American style, I love my ice cream. Once you consume it, love is gone. Because there was never any love in the first place. It's what, keep, what can you do for me? So once the novelty wears off, then, it's, then <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> you have nothing more to offer me. That's not love. I love myself. Period. That's a love where you can't see beyond your own nose. But what's so hard and difficult and oppressive is, because people speak in the name of love. If they spoke honestly, they listen. <laughs> I can't see beyond my tip of my own nose. I'm selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. I couldn't care less about you. It's all about what you can do for me. So fine, at least you're honest. You're a brute, but at least you're honest about it. But when you pretend that you're speaking in the name of love, and it really has nothing to do with love. Really, the message is, I couldn't care less about you. And what can you do for me? And the moment you can't do anything for me, I'm out of here. Then it's, it's, uh, this has nothing to do with love. Here we're talking about real love. So a person already developed the capacity for love. And he developed all the loves that we discussed in the previous chapters. And then he reaches a level of love, of fiery love which completely shakes you up, completely causes you to jump out of yourself and you just want to forget about yourself and rush to your beloved and become absorbed with them. And a love which is completely, you know, egolessness. It's not about ego. It's completely getting out of your ego and forgetting about yourself. And this is a fiery devotion. Where do you see that today? Fiery devotion. 
This is, it is rare. It's as rare as gold. And as precious as gold. This is very precious. It's very rare. And it's life transforming. It's life changing. A person who can experience such a level of love will not be the same person. And this is the type of love that the more you satisfy, the more, the hungrier you get. The less satisfied you are. And it just, it just keeps on growing and intensifying. And this is real love. So you're right. You shouldn't confuse infatuation with love. It's two, two different things. I'm talking about a real love. Genuine, fiery, fiery love. Have most people experienced it in their lives? Even once? In any area in their lives? I don't know. It's a rare thing. And most people even know that this love exists. What this love is. I don't think the universities have any clear, even taught about this, they have any clue what real love today is all about. Excuse me. I think it's, um, you know, it's easier to understand between a person and Hashem than between a person and another person. You know, in other words, when you see it like on uh, Rosh Hashanah, for example, you know, and your devotion to Hashem, it's easier to understand it that way than between a person and a person. You know, I, I guess he's saying that those type of relationships, those types of man-women relationships are very rare today. To see that devotion and that love and that genuine love and um, fiery love let alone fiery love but you know a lot of it has to do with the ability to be egoless you know we live in a society that celebrates ego it pushes ego that doesn't even know that there's an existence without, without ego, that there's something beyond ego. So it's hard to even conceive such a level of love, such a connection. Because ego is the great closing of the mind and closing of the heart and, and really blocks your vision and doesn't let you see anything besides yourself and doesn't let you see beyond the tip of your own nose. And that's really what we're experiencing today, the closing of the mind, the closing of the heart. But um, what's sad is if a person knows that his mind is shut down and his heart is shut down, this is one thing. You know, at least he's honest with himself. <laughs> but, but people think that they're enlightened and they're advanced and they're cultured and they don't even have a clue what real enlightenment is, what real culture is, what real love is, what real development is. So uh, listen, that's part of the exile that we find ourselves in. It's part of the spiritually oppressive gulfs. That The cave is so dark that people don't even have a clue that there's such a thing called light. Because they've never seen light. At least if you've seen light, you know, Plato's uh, cave, at least if you've seen light, at least you know you're in the, in the dark cave. At least you know, you aspire, at least you have some clue, some frame of reference. Unfortunately, because of the education that's received today, most people don't even have a frame of reference. The darkness is light. This is wonderful. 
This is advancement. This is, this is progress. They don't even have a frame of reference. Once you've seen the sun, it's hard to go back to the darkness because you, you have a frame of reference. You know what light is. You know what reality is. And, and this is total fantasy. This is total... This is, this is Disney World. This is La La Land. This is no relationship to reality, no connection to reality, and no sense of love. I mean... Who writes the movies today? Some 32-year-old kid who has no clue what love is or relationship is. And they are describing, trying to describe love, trying to describe relationships. I mean, it's, 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 it's really... And I wonder why there are very few classics being produced today. Everything that's being produced today is instantly forgettable. <laughs> There's nothing there. It's a very childish, infantile... Um, like some 12-year-old fantasy of what love is. And it's either cheap propaganda, of the cheapest kind, of the most obvious kind, it's not even intelligent. And um, it's, there's no frame of reference. Because they've never experienced it, and they never learned about it. Here, we may not have experienced it, but at least we're learning the Tanya. <laughs> so at least we have a frame of reference. At least we know that something, I guess, exists. We've seen the Rebbe, so we know that something, something real, there is something real out there. There's something real, you know. The Jewish people have been around for 3,800 years. This is a classic. This is not instantly forgettable, like a piece of chewing gum you chew in and chew out. This is 3,800 years. This is reality. This is anything that can endure for 3,800 years. We have a Torah. We have something eternal, something, a frame of reference. So, we have, so there's a reality to our lives. We have something to hold on to. We have something to connect with. But if you don't have Torah, and you don't have Tanya, and you don't have, you don't have a Rebbe, and you don't have any frame of reference, uh, you're lost. You don't, you, don't even, you don't even have the possibility to climb out of the cave. You don't, you don't even know that, that, that there is a, even, even to yearn to climb out of the cave. You don't even realize that there's something to climb out to. You think this is it. This is the best that it gets. I mean, it's, it's so childish. It's so infantile. It's so, and it's not even interesting. Not even the one where the 500 channels is nothing to watch. Because it's just, it's just on, on a very, very, you know. So there is real love. And we're describing, he's describing a real love. And he's describing uh, the highest level of love that's even higher and greater than all the level of loves we learned till now in the last few chapters is a level of love he compares to gold, which comes from, which is fiery, fiery devotion, dedication and devotion, a yearning. And this is very precious. It's a very rare, it's very rare and it's very precious. And it's necessary. It is going to explain later on in the chapter, this is the highest level that a person could reach. When a person once you get close to Hashem, after you've developed the previous loves, then you yearn for a much higher love, a much deeper love, a much more intense love. A love that will wake you up, a love that will shake you, a love that will rattle you, a love that will totally get you to jump out of your skin, forget about yourself, and become completely absorbed within Hashem. With a yearning and an and, and, and intensity like fire. Fire just burns and... It, it, 
fire just wants to become one with its source. That's the nature of fire. Fire rises upwards. Fire wants to lose itself. Fire is egoless. You have to force the fire down through the wick. But other than that, the fire on its own just wants to, is constantly jumping up, leaping up. That fiery love. And that burns away any sense of ego, any trace of ego, any sense of separation, any barrier separation between us and Hashem. It causes you to leave your place. Emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, leave yourself and go towards your beloved and become one with your beloved. That's like a real fiery love between husband and wife. At least this is the ideal. This is the potential. Do we realize that potential? Depends how much ego we have. <laughs> the more ego we have, the less we realize it. The less ego we have, the more we can learn to love. In a society that celebrates ego, it's very hard to achieve real love. There's no encouragement. There's every encouragement to develop in the other direction. And it's not even prized as a value. It's not even valued. It's not even valued as, as, a, as an ideal. To be egoless, to be to love, to, that's not even prized. What's prized is to be the more arrogant and the more egotistical and the more... That's what's prized. The more noise you make and the louder you are, the more power you wield and the more possessions you have. That's what's prized. That's what society prizes. The fatter your bank account. It's not a society that prizes, that prizes spirituality, godliness, egolessness. A Jewish society is a society that doesn't, that prizes all those values. The more egoless a person is, the more genuine a person is, the more authentic a person is. It's a different culture, it's a different society, it's a different, a different value system, a different frame of reference. Different, we aspire to something else. But a culture and a society, it only values external and superficial. And that's what children are taught from day one. And it's only emphasized as they grow older. So it's, it's, it's very oppressive. This is a spiritually oppressive society environment. It's very difficult in this environment to genuinely develop these types of loves that he's describing here. <clears throat> Sensitivity, a love, a yearning, a fiery love. Isn't that why it's called Golas? That's why it's called Golas. Exile. That's why it's called exile. That's why it's called exile. That's why spiritually, even though Jews are very comfortable today, King Solomon could only dream of the comforts that the simplest Jew has today. Even King Solomon, I don't know if every night he can, one night he can eat Chinese, <laughs> the next night he can eat uh, Thai food and Japanese and this food and that, Mexican food. But, but spiritually, spiritually it's very oppressive. We don't even know the meaning of love. In the prophet, King Shaul, when King Shaul, when Hashem left King Shaul, when his spirit left the king, the first Jewish king, he became physically sick. 
He had such a love for Hashem that when he felt that Hashem's presence left him, he became physically ill. He couldn't live. He, he, didn't, he didn't become sick because he didn't have his car, he didn't have his money in the account, he didn't have his, his, his trips. What bothered him? What made him physically ill? That he felt that God's presence left him. And what kind of life is that? Without God in my life, he couldn't live. And he became mad, became sick, physically ill. Could we imagine such a love? You know, so this is exile. This is a spiritually oppressive exile. Spiritually, we can barely even relate to all these concepts because everything in our culture and everything in our society points to a whole, whole, whole opposite, a whole, whole different direction. It's all about ego. And we celebrate ego and the louder and the coarser and the grosser and the, the more banal and the more superficial and the more, the more of a celebrity or the more mindless, the more of a celebrity. It's a whole different world, a whole different culture. The more infantile. The more dumbed down. Here you're talking about a whole different, a whole different environment. You're talking about Judaism celebrates egolessness, going beyond your ego, the ability to connect, the ability to, to love, genuinely love, the ability to go beyond yourself. And that's all the loves we learned earlier. And the highest level, to reach a level of a fiery love, passionate love, a love that causes you to jump out of your skin, jump out of yourself, go beyond yourself, forget about yourself. This is the, this is the, the fiery love. So this is the ideal. It's the potential in husband and wife. Whether we realize the potential or not, a lot of it depends on us, how egoless we are. But you can ask yourself, we are soldiers. You know, we are more connected to action. You know, we're not, spiritually speaking, we are the spiritual midgets of all the generations. We don't have such great minds, and we don't have such great hearts. Our heart is not inflamed with a fiery, passionate love to Hashem. We are soldiers. Soldier, you, you give a soldier a mission, a soldier accomplishes the mission, and wars are won by soldiers, not by generals. We are the ones who are going to win the war. In this battle, in this great battle between good and evil, we're, we, the simple soldiers, the lowest generation, the spiritual midgets, what's called ikvis in the Mashiach, the soles of the feet, we are the ones who are going to march the whole organism, including Moses, into the, into the Messianic era. And yet, here we are spending time learning about all these different levels of love. We're learning about such a love which seems so remote to us, so far removed from our realities. A love of fire, a fiery love. You completely forget about yourself and forget about your ego and you have such a passionate love for Hashem. 
and you want to become absorbed within Hashem, and your soul looks ready to expire in ecstasy. Why are we learning about this? Is this relevant to our lives? Is this practical for us? But the truth is that in order to accomplish our mission, in order to be able to be that soldier and to fulfill our mission and to bring godliness into this world, you can't allow yourself to be defined by the world. You have to have a much deeper definition. Otherwise, you are the world. You are part of the problem. You can't heal the world. You can't bring tikkun olam if you are the olam. If you are the olam, then you need tikkun olam. You can't bring any tikkun. You can't bring any mending or any healing to the world when you yourself are the world. You are part of the problem. It's only when you're not part of the world. When you have that back and forth and you have that yearning and desire to cleave with godliness you would rather be elsewhere but you realize you have a mission to fulfill and you have to fulfill your mission only then could you fulfill your mission but the moment you grow so comfortable and complacent and you're so comfortable in this reality then you are part of that reality you're part of the problem you're part of the darkness how can you bring light into this world when you are part of the darkness. And you're just increasing the darkness. You're not bringing any tikkun olam. You're just bringing chaos and bringing more disturbance into the olam. Definitely not any illumination or any healing or any change in the olam. In order to release the prisoner, you have to, be, you have, to have someone from the outside to release the prisoner. So you have to be something of an outsider. So as long as you have some spiritual connection some godly connection, some love, a love to Hashem, a yearning for Hashem, then that keeps you above the fray. Then you can fulfill your mission. You can engage the world without being sullied or dirtied or soiled or defined by the world. Then you can elevate the world to you, elevate the world out of its darkness, illuminate the world change the world, transform the world, help the world realize its godly potential. But otherwise, you just get dragged down. Because the world is a very powerful pull, especially today. So unless you have a strong connection, strong spiritual connection, a strong godly connection, then you, you don't have the energy, you don't have the strength, you don't have what it takes to change the world. To make the world better. And this is where a lot of people get lost. They have, they're well-intentioned. Tikkun olam, I want to fix the world. I want to fix the world. I have to speak the language of the world. I'm part of the world. But they become so... They, they, do, their mission, they do their role so well <laughs> that they become the world. And they quickly lose touch. And they also become artificial and fake, like everything else and everyone else. And they lose their touch. And they stop changing, and they stop changing the people around them. And they don't even realize it. So t- t- 
to keep honest, to keep you honest, and to keep you connected, and never to lose sight, and never to lose that ability to really change the world and bring illumination into the world. If you don't have this love, if you don't have a love, a connection with Hashem, some spirituality, some yearning, some hunger, some sense of disturbance, of lack of complacency, of restlessness, that something is wrong with the status quo, some sense of being uncomfortable, some sense of discomfort with the status quo, with the way things are, with the way you are, with your ego. And instead, you're so comfortable with yourself. It's only by having this connection, then, when you go, go into the world, then you can fulfill your mission. And then you really change the world. You change yourself, you change the world. You really make a difference, you really matter. You really bring genuine illumination into the world. You bring godliness into this world. But you have to have that godly connection. That channel to godliness has to be open. If you don't have any channel to godliness, if it's all about practical, business-like, I'm a soldier, just give me a job, don't talk to me about anything spiritual, don't talk to me about godliness, love, connection. Don't, I'm a, let me roll up my sleeve, just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. No, it doesn't work that way. You're not a machine. You're a real, live human being. You're a sentient, conscious being. And if you think you're just a robot, you're not bringing anything into this world. You're just bringing darkness into this world. You're just adding to the darkness. You have to be, you have to be something of an outsider. You have to have that honest, objective perspective. And only then could you help and make a difference. So that's why we're learning about this. It's very important person, you have to spend the time and the energy to develop a rich inner life. You have to have a spiritual aspect to your life. You can't go through life without having a spiritual dimension, a spiritual aspect, a relationship with Hashem, a love with Hashem, a love to Hashem. It doesn't work. And you know, life abhors a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. If you don't have any spirituality in your life, then you'll experience emptiness. You can even lead to depression. And it could lead to very negative things, addiction. Turmoil. What? Turmoil? Chaos? So if you think you don't have the time to develop spiritual spirituality, if you don't spend the time developing spirituality, you can end up spending the time in AA meetings and... You're gonna, the time is not going anywhere. You're not, you're not going to save any time. R running to psychologists, running to psychotherapists, dealing with negativity. Nature abhors a vacuum. If you don't fill your life with something positive and meaningful and spiritual and godly, and you don't spend the time, yes, you have to spend the time. You have to develop it. You have to think about it, you have to study it, you have to digest it, and you have to develop a sensitivity, you have to spend some time during prayer, and you have to develop a relationship with Hashem. If you don't spend the time developing an, a real relationship with Hashem, you're not saving any time. You will spend time, and it won't be pleasant. You end up spending time and all the heartaches and the heartbreaks in your life, and all the addictions and all the negative things that you fill your life with. 
to fill that void. Because nature abhors a vacuum. There's a void in your life. There's an emptiness. And, and you're in pain. When your soul is in pain, your body is in pain. You're physically in pain. And the pain doesn't go anywhere. And you're going to fill it up. You're going to fill it up with, this, with the distraction. You're going to fill it up with negativity. You're going to fill it up with addiction, with self-destructive behavior. You're not saving anything. It's better take that time to develop. Instead of having to run to A meetings, make sure to study Tanya every day, pray every day. Develop a relationship with Hashem. Become consciousness of Hashem. Develop a relationship, a love. All these chapters that we learn, all these chapters, we should try to internalize and try to develop a sense, a sensitivity. And you fill your life with all this light, with all this then it'll, it'll free you from any all the negativity and then you'll have the ability to go and fulfill your mission of practically bringing goodness and godliness into this world and changing the world and changing the world around you and elevating the world and elevating yourself. So this is an essential ingredient. This is not just like uh, icing on the cake. It's nice to have. It's essential. It's critical. It's crucial. Otherwise you can't fulfill your mission. Honestly, you can't fulfill your mission person who thinks he could just be a robot and he has no time for he's just a, a bureaucrat and a robot and just give me my assignment and I'll do it I don't have time for I don't have the zitzflash and time for sensitivity and the spirituality and love this is doesn't work that way the good news is that this love exists our soul has this love if you had to develop this love from scratch, something from nothing, then you may as well quit, <laughs> quit while we're behind. <laughs> but the good news is that we already have this love. Every soul, every divine soul has a divine spark. We have that divine spark. The soul has this love. Every Jew has this love naturally. We already have it. All you have to do is to reveal it. That makes life much easier. You don't have to create anything from nothing. All you have to do is focus. Concentrate. Just a little. Pay a little attention. It's there. It's within us. It's all around. We just have to pay a little attention. It's like a coal. The spark is in the coal. But you know, if you don't blow the coal, it's going to die. Or it will remain a spark hidden. You just have to blow the coal and suddenly flame bursts out. It's there. See, you don't have to, you don't have to strike and start all over again. It's there. You just have to... A little blow, a little focus, a little attention, a little... And a little attention, a little focus, a little concentration, before you know it, you have this flaming fire that warms you up and warms up the world around you. So a Jew has to be on fire. For a Jew to fulfill his mission of tikkun olam, of fixing the world, the Jew has to be on fire. So every Jew naturally is a coal. The coal has a spark, but you got to blow, you got to pay a little attention, you got to concentrate, take the time... And then you'll see your soul is on fire, consciously on fire. And then you can light up the world, warm up the world, illuminate the world, warm up yourself and warm up the whole world around you and really make a difference and really change and really bring healing and mending into this world. So this is the only way. And let no one tell you otherwise. There is no other way. So that's why this, this is critical. This is not just... And that's the good news. You don't have to create something from nothing. We have it. We just have to pay a little attention and just reveal it. That, that's much easier to do. That's much more doable. So even in, in the year 2010, here in the Upper East Side, 
It's doable. 70,000 Jews living in the upper side is doable because we have the coal, we have the spark. It's there. You just have to pay a little attention. Come to the Tanya class. Lessonsintanya.com. Study Hasidus. Pray. Think about it. Meditate on it. Internalize it. Try to develop. And Hashem sees that we are sincerely exerting ourselves and trying. Hashem will help us and guide us and help us. And then it's, it's, then it's a beautiful thing. And we can accomplish our mission to be continued. Any questions before we go? Yeah, sure. Where do we lose our values? I mean, I was brought up on amazing values. And where along the line did we lose our values for the loss of love? Where, where did we lose our values? You know, it's, it's, it's exile. You know, society has devalued. It's very easy to lose values. You know, values that have been transmitted for 3,800 years. All it takes is one generation to cut it off. Because if you don't educate, if there's no education, there's no education, there's no awareness. These values are there to now bones. It's in the very fiber of our being. It's in our blood. 3,800 years. You know, Jews, even Jews are so assimilated. They're so Jewish. You know, like there's no running away. It's a it's there. But you can be a billionaire. But if you never learned how to write a withdrawal slip, you'll be walking around hungry, homeless, in tatters. You can be still poor. And you can be impoverished. You have a billion dollars in the bank. There's nothing stopping you. You can walk into any bank, put in the PIN number, take the money out, make a withdrawal. But if you don't know that you're a billionaire, and no one ever taught you, you're walking around completely impoverished. So every Jew is a billionaire. The values are there. Our ancestors, through thick and thin, fire and water, sacrificed their lives for these values. 3,800 years. So dedicated, so passionate, so committed. It's there. We have it within us. It's in our DNA. It's in our blood. It's in our... It's there. But if you don't have education, most Jews, due to no fault of their own, never had a single positive and meaningful Jewish experience growing up. Due to no fault of their own. So the good news is we can do something about ignorance. That's why you have the Chabad houses. The Rebbe launched the largest educational project in Jewish history. You have 3,600 Chabad houses just like this. Chabad is Chachma, Bina, Das, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, education, education, education. Using every opportunity to educate, to make people aware, to just ignite that spark as it's there. It's there. It's, in, it's intact. It's whole. It's waiting. Just a little, you just have to blow, and the flame just emerges and surfaces until it becomes a full-fledged fire warms and brings heat and warmth and light and illumination so that's the good news that's the challenge so we have tremendous opportunities don't forget we also have opportunities today that our ancestors never had with the internet and with the, we can educate and we can reach so many people and we have so many opportunities we have to take advantage also of the opportunities not only complain about the negativity but also take advantage of the tremendous opportunities that we have in order to bring that light and to bring that education and that awareness and to make it available and make it accessible and make it user-friendly and, and more and more people are discovering it and, and are lighting up, igniting their spark.
one Jew at a time and one person at a time and slowly but surely all these sparks add up till it becomes a torch that illuminates and it keeps on growing and intensifying and deepening so simultaneously with all the negativity that's that swamping us there's also all this positivity that's swamping us all this healthy and wholesome and positive and good information and awareness that we never had before that's so available today that was never available on such a level so there's also a lot of positive a lot of exciting developments and opportunities that we have so we have to take advantage of all the positive opportunities and try to reach as many Jews as possible and um, we have 69,000 Jews left to go (laughs) here on the Upper East Side this class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.